Oh, friends, let's pray together. Lord God, we know that there is no other name by which men can be saved other than the name of Jesus. We know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord of all. Oh, Father, there are times when that name, it becomes uh, just a regular name in our hearts and minds, and we forget the sacrifice that was made. And we forget who Jesus is, the fact that he's now the, the Son of God at the right hand, that he is our mediator. Lord God, I pray now that, that we would speak well of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come and enliven our hearts and minds to understand the reality of, of what he has done, that we might believe in him, that there might be spiritual renewal in our hearts. We ask you to do this for your glory and our blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. So glad you're here this morning as we continue to talk about the, the necessity of mapping out our motivation. What motivates you is crucial. It will not only drive what it is you're pursuing, but how you pursue it and, and what it is that you're able to accomplish. Your, your motivation is so, so very important. And, and I'm not sure this morning if you smelled it on your way in, but hopefully you've smelled something, you've sensed something. It's supposed to be sort of sweet. It's, it's supposed to be something that kind of gets your attention. I hope it doesn't distract you. It's not meant to distract you, but there is a corresponding taste that goes with this smell that you have hopefully sensed this morning. And I can assure you that it is a good taste because I have tasted. And what we're doing this morning in the service is we're picturing something of what God has done, which is to give us a sense of something that is better than what we currently have in this world. The, the Bible makes it clear that we live in a world different than the one that, that we desire. That the one that we desire is the one God originally made. And it's important to, to realize that, that this world that we live in today, it cannot satisfy the longing of our soul. Every person in here, here's what we want. We want to be happy. But we want a kind of happiness that, that goes beyond what this world can do. See, we want a happiness where we rest but are at the same time amazed. We want a happiness that never ends. We want a happiness that is strong, that endures, that has both laughter and peace and joy and, and all that, that our soul longs for. But nothing in this world can satisfy that longing. It doesn't mean that our longing is wrong. It means that our world is wrong. C.S. Lewis said this. Remember this. He, he says, if I find myself, in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another. We have longings. We have deep longings for happiness. And there is nothing in this world that can satisfy those longings. That means that there's something more. That means that there is something that we need to pursue and that we need to be looking for. The world that we live in is broken. This world is not as it should be. That's why, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not or thought about it, but every human being who enters into this world enters crying. Have you noticed that? And the way we enter is not fun either. Death is, is it's not a happy time. And while there may be moments of happiness, tastes of happiness, uh, most of our lives are filled with, with unhappy times. And, and that tells us something of the place that, that we are, but we need to realize that we were made for more. And we need to allow that to motivate us. We were made to be happy, but we live in an unhappy world. And, and this world, I don't know what your week has been like. I'm just going to be honest with you. This, this world has really bummed me out this week. Uh, the whole world didn't fall apart. Our whole world didn't fall apart. Our, I mean, there's good things. Uh, you know, I, I kept breathing all week. That's good, right? My heart kept beating. My brain 
not high functionality, but it's working, you know, to the extent that it can. I mean, there's, there's, it's not like everything's bad. Nobody's sick. Nobody's in trouble that I know of at this moment, right? Um, Charlie's doing good. We were watching Fixer Upper this week. He's doing fine. That's him. Sound asleep. He doesn't like Fixer My goodness, I got like a Fred Flintstone foot. Good grief. I need to carve that out. But there's all kinds of bad stuff that happened this week. You know, if you were to make a top ten list of bad things this week, I bet you could do it. I wonder how it would compare it to mine. I'm going to give you mine. I've got, uh, this is my top ten list of unhappy things this week. Uh, the first one is this. I found out that a couple decided to get a divorce after 15 years of marriage. Uh, there's no biblical reason for it. It makes, uh, it makes no sense for them to enter into this misery rather than to let God fix what they broke. I found out I was just half mad, half sad. And just thinking, and just don't do this. Second thing, I found out that a spouse has been uh, being being unfaithful. This has destroyed their lives and the lives of their children. Your sin will always find you out. Your sin will always take you further than you intended to go. It will always cost you more than you wanted to pay, and it will never give you what it promised. And, And parents, your sin will fall on your kids. And I'm seeing that right now. Third thing on my list, a teenager from Greenwood High School was killed in a car accident this week. And it's just been devastating to the family, to many of the students. It's just been awful. Uh, Fourth on my list, um, another teenager was hospitalized with a serious illness and is still at Vanderbilt. She's a member of our church. Her name is Shelby. Would you please write that name down? That is Shelby. Pray for her mom and dad. Pray that God will miraculously heal this little girl because it's going to require a miracle for her. And, and that, that one's on my list. Uh, number five on my list, um, an old friend who is an amazing pastor and leader resigned from his great church last Sunday. Surprised everyone. No one saw this coming. Um, the church is Cross Point Community. The pastor's name is Pete. He and I went to high school together. We went to seminary together. God was doing a phenomenal work. It was a, just revival for 14 years. And he has resigned this last week. And guys, I was going to ask you to pray for all those things. All those things that had bummed me out, and it, it has just reminded me this world is not our home. The next five things, don't pray for them. Don't even really think a lot about them. These are just the things that have sort of ticked me off this week. Number six, our insurance rates in the state of Kentucky went up 24%. If you haven't heard that news, well, there you go. You're welcome. It's kind of gotten under my skin this week. Number seven. Uh, the radiator in one of our cars had to be replaced. Went to change the oil. Next thing I know, I'm spending hundreds of dollars. Really cheered me up. Number eight, I had to pull weeds for over an hour in the same place I pulled weeds just a few weeks ago. This world is a broken place. Weeds come up, you pull them, they come back. It's terrible. Number nine, a little girl at Asher's baseball game told me it was too bad that I don't have hair. And I should do this hair treatment thing she heard about on TV. I didn't ask her. It was unsolicited. She just walked up, rubbed on my head. She thought that would be stuff I'd need to know. I didn't need to know that this week, right? I did not. That was not helpful. 
Number 10, they're still refusing to categorize peanut M&Ms as a source of protein. Now, I think that's wrong, too. It is a source of protein, and we'll fill out forms for that a little bit later. But I don't know what your top 10 looks like, but that's what my top 10 looks like this week. And, and some are awful, and some are not so bad, but they're not happy. And, and what, what weeks like this, what they do for me is they remind me something I say to you all the time. This world is not our home, and that the Bible is true. See, the Bible explains why this world, as it is now, is not what God intended. The Bible tells us and explains reality of what's happening. See, I know and you know, we all know that this world was made to be in harmony. And here's how I know it. Because every time something bad happens, we say, this is not as it should be. You heard about the situation up in New York City, and you see that, and the first thing you think is, this is wrong. This is not the way it should be. And we know that. We know that the world is broken. And we know that the reason the world is broken, the Bible tells us, is because of the fall, because of sin. And we have all helped break it because we have all sinned. We have all committed treason against the high king of heaven. But thanks be to God, and here's our hope, he did not abandon us. Instead, God sent his son to come and rescue us from our sin. And here's what I want to tell you today. Here's what we're going to focus on today is the fact that the restoration is coming. Not only did Jesus Christ come as he promised he would, he is going to come again just as he promised that he would. Jesus Christ is going to return. And despite the world being broken, despite all that that is going wrong, I've got good news, friends. We can live hopeful. We can have hope. And because this hope is real, it can actually change us, and we can help be a part of the change that can help this world. It, it, it's true. We can, we can map out our motivation. I pray that that's what God does in your life today as we look at our text, that, that you map out your motivation. You see what it is that should seriously stir your heart forward. And, and our text shows us what that is and why it is. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and Macy Walmack is going to read for us. Where is Miss Macy? There she is. Come here, sweet girl. Um, this little girl is a miracle. We prayed forever. I know she's sick and tired of hearing everybody say that, but we prayed for her to be here, and I cannot believe she's now old enough to come and provide the reading of God's Word today. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Macy, you read for us our scripture. I believe it is there in verse 17. Go ahead and read it. For the slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, sweet girl. A little miracle. If you guys would go ahead and, and be, be seated. Now, again, I don't know if you've detected it or not. There's a distinct smell in the room. You may have gotten used to it at this point. That tends to happen, is there could be something really, really unique and something special. But after a while, if you're not careful, if you don't make your mind be mindful of the fact that there's something unique and real and wonderful going on, you might just start to ignore it. And I hope you haven't begun to do that with that smell. Remember, it's supposed to be sweet. It's not meant to distract, but it is meant to point us towards something that is very good, that, that tastes glorious. It's meant to motivate us to pursue this taste and to be satisfied with it. And what we're doing is we're being mindful of what God is doing. He's giving us a taste. He's giving us something to let us know that there's something better. Remember what C.S. Lewis said. What did he say? If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another. And we were. God has created an aroma that points us to a reality that is beyond anything that we can know and see right now. And that, that reality is a place with Jesus. 
Jesus is our hope. And where Jesus is, is, is the aroma. It's meant to be the inspiration, the motivation for our life. And as God's children who know Jesus, we are meant to be that aroma to the world. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. This aroma is, is meant to communicate that there's something more. Now, to some... There are some who despise Jesus in our presence and, and the stench of, of our joy and peace and confidence and the hope of Him. It smells like death to them. But for those who believe, the aroma of Christ is thrilling. It gives us and inspires us with, with this confidence that we can go forward. It is meant to motivate us to endure, as our scripture says, this light momentary affliction that this world provides so that we can look to, look what the scripture says, to an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, please don't think that the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to have some pie-in-the-sky, nonsensical view of life that says, don't worry, be happy. That's not what this what the scripture is communicating. And that's not the kind of man the Apostle Paul was. Realize, as he was pinning this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this man was suffering. This man was hurting, and yet he still had hope because he'd seen heaven. Know that he was suffering. Please, as we look at this text today, I know uh, you, some may be in a place of brokenness that you might even want to get a little mad to say, light and momentary? Are you serious? And I don't want you to be offended by what the Apostle is, is saying on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here. I want you to know his heart and get a sense of where he was writing this from. Understand, he was writing this from a perspective of brokenness. Look what he says later in the letter. This is in 2 Corinthians 12, beginning of verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should believe me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Understand that the person who is writing the text that we're studying today was suffering as he wrote it. And he asked God three times, God, take this pain away. And God said, no, every single time. I don't know if you're physically suffering today. I don't know if you're emotionally suffering today. I don't know if you are, are dealing with mental anguish in your life today. I want you to understand that God knows and God cares and God has a plan for that. The Apostle Paul, who's, who's written our text on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, understands this pain. He understands what it is to hurt and to ask God to take it away and to have God say no. But he had hope, and here's why. He, he knew and he knows Jesus. And he had seen and he had tasted the heavenly delight. He knew the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Speaking of himself in the third person, listen to what the Apostle Paul said about himself. He said, I know a man, again, he's talking about himself. In Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. He went to heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. 
and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. He saw and he heard things that he cannot describe in this fallen, broken world. It wouldn't make sense to us. But know that this guy, this guy who's writing our text today, he wasn't just trying to tell us, don't worry, be happy. He wasn't just saying, oh, it's going to be okay, just ignore it. That's not what he was saying. Here's a man who was suffering who had also seen the glory, and he says, this is light and momentary compared to the weight and the eternality of the presence of the power of Jesus. This understood, this man understood reality in a way that few do. So there's, there's three things to note here. Write this down and catch the first one. Pain is present and limited. It is present. To, 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 to ignore that, is, to, is to, to fool yourself, is to lie to yourself. Pain is present. But please understand, it is limited. It says, for this light, momentary affliction. And this affliction that is light and momentary, it does impact our heart, our head, and our hands. So that's why we see in other places in Scripture that we are told in this broken, fallen world that we need to protect our heart and our minds and our and our bodies and our hands and be mindful of the reality of what we are going through. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to the church at Philippi, look what he said to them in chapter 4, verse 4 and 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to understand the importance of guarding our hearts and minds. And the reason why we have to do that is because we're in a broken world. We're in a fallen world. And so we need to understand, in this light affliction, momentary affliction, we need to be smart. And we don't just need to just say, oh, whatever, and, and, not, and not be wise about the dangers. We are all in a very dangerous place. We are in enemy territory. And we need to guard our hearts and, and also our minds. Uh, again, uh, speaking of, of, the, of the need to, 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 to look after ourselves, it continues in verse 8, talking about our minds. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whether it's commendable, if there's any, ex- any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He says, look, guard your heart with prayer. And then focus your mind on what is true, what is best, what is right. And that is Jesus Christ himself. So look, we're, we're in a dangerous place. But remember, it's, it's a light and momentary affliction. It does impact our heart. It does impact our thinking. It also Im- impacts our bodies. Uh, you go back to verse 16. We, we talked about this last week in our text today. It says, look, so we don't lose heart, although we, we could if we wanted to. He says, why? Here, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our, our bodies are wasting away. Our minds and our hearts are constantly being attacked. But understand, although this pain is real, it is light and momentary. And let me tell you why. Because it's not eternal. It doesn't have to be eternal. Now, for some of you, it will be eternal. Let me, let me explain why. Without Jesus, there is no healing power in your soul. 
And if that is true for you, if you are trusting in your power and your knowledge and your ability and your experience and what you can do, understand that you'll have to do that for all of eternity. And separated from God in Christ, you will experience darkness and pain that is unspeakable. For those of you who are right now living your life without Jesus, I want you to understand something. This is as good as it's going to get for you. This broken, cancer-filled, divorce-filled, infidelity-filled, anger-filled world is as good as it will get for you. It will only get worse without Jesus. Jesus has the power to redeem, but only in as much as we believe in him. you got to remember, God's design is that we would be holy, that we would be made whole, that we would have a right standing with God. But that's broken because of sin. Now, some of you are experiencing brokenness, and you're making a huge mistake. Hear me. Some of you who are in brokenness, let me tell you what some of you are doing. You are looking to sin to heal you. And all you're doing is creating deeper, worse addictions for yourself. If you're looking to a substance, if you're looking to a relationship, to an income level, if you're looking to anything in this world to heal your eternal broken soul, you're making a huge mistake. And all you're going to do is with this sin, create more brokenness. Here's what Christ, the Lord God, Jesus, compels you to do. In the gospel, he compels you to repent. That is, turn away from looking to the things of this world, including yourself, and instead believe in Jesus. The good news, the gospel is literally the good news, that Jesus, as God, has come, lived a holy life. He's paid the punishment for our sins. We don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore. He is raised. He is alive. And he has the power to heal not only our hearts, but our relationships. He has a power that's unfathomable, and we can look to him. He doesn't always heal, but even we know in this broken world, we have something to look forward, that this is a light, momentary affliction. But in Jesus, we can pursue and recover God's design. And if you're not doing that with your life, here's what you need to understand. This thing that you're depending on to to give you a taste of happiness will not last, and it's going to leave you worse off. Sin always leaves you worse off. But if you will repent, and if you will give your life to Jesus and trust in Jesus and live in Jesus, you're going to have a whole new reason to have hope. You can look beyond yourself. And yes, you will suffer, but but even beyond that, you can look and see what God is doing. Look what Peter said to the, the church that was being persecuted. First Peter 5, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now look what else he said in chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Listen, when the world reveals itself to be broken and bad, when, when you suffer and you have pain, don't be surprised. Don't think, oh, this is weird. No, this is normal for a broken world. But acknowledge, yes, it's broken, but that rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Jesus Christ is coming again. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. The aroma of Christ is calling us to a taste of a goodness, of a greatness that is ours and will be ours forever. So take note of the second thing. Glory is promised and lasting. Pain, yes, it's real, it's present and limited, but glory, 
It's promised and lasting. Look at verse four, look at verse 17, the second part. It talks about what this light momentary affliction is preparing for us, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And I want you to understand, this glory is not just something that is made up. It's not just uh, imaginatory. It's not just, you know, that we're going to think something. It's beyond that. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. It's, it's our whole mind and heart and body. Listen to the description of the glory that is to come. This is Revelation. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That means there's no more chaos. And I saw the holy city, that is, the, the, the bride of Christ, the church, God's people, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, that is Christ. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And look what's going to happen. He will wipe, wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our hearts will be made whole. And death shall be no more. Our bodies will not die. And there shall be uh, and there shall there shall be mourning and no crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Our hearts, minds, bodies will completely be free, and this will last forever. Right now, it is light. It is momentary. It is an affliction. But understand what God has for us. It is an eternal weight of glory. It will never end. It is forever. And understand what makes it so glorious. I've just described to you what heaven will be like for us at at an experiential level. But understand, that's not what makes heaven great. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there. If Jesus were not in heaven, then heaven would just be a golden prison. See, we need our best friend there to enjoy it. For those who believe Jesus is our best friend. You know, growing up, uh, I had a group of friends, and we got together almost every day. And we had this cool place to hang out where we could swim and play ball. It's kind of a playground there. But you know what? Unless the Lacrone brothers, these were these two brothers, unless they were there, it was never fun. I mean, you had all the stuff. You had the pool. You had the games. You had everything. But we needed their leadership to go get us in trouble or something. You know what I mean? It just it just wasn't the same without the Lacrone brothers. And we'd go hang out for a little while, and, and we would be entertained for a while, but then everyone would start leaving because the Lacrone boys weren't there. Heaven without Jesus is going to be a, it's like a playground without friends. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus himself. And what is so glorious is that he is the eternal reigning God. And we are going to be able to enjoy every day with him, with our hearts on fire, with gladness. We will be truly happy. We will rest and be excited. We will be whole. There will be no sickness. There will be no pain. And we will be with him. And he will constantly remind us of the greatness of God. The Lord is preparing us for that. And he's going to prepare a place for us. Please don't miss this. Not only is Jesus preparing us as we go through this affliction, he promised that he was going to prepare a place for us. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We can not only receive this experience now, we have every reason to look forward to it. We can smell it now, but we can know that we are going to taste and enjoy this forever. And that is our motivation. 
That is what drives us. That's what we need to be mapping out in our minds. The third thing we need to understand is, again, this is all about Jesus. So understand, Christ is our perspective and lens. We can only perceive this. We can only enjoy any of this so long as Jesus is in our life. It says in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. We can right now only look through the lens of faith, Christ. But when we do, there's a freedom. This morning I want to introduce you to uh, Kim Green. Kim uh, came to our counseling center uh, with brokenness, but found Jesus. And in Kim, found life. Uh, Watch the middle screen with me. Listen to her story. As a child, when I was growing up, um, I dealt with a learning disability, and I was the victim of verbal and emotional abuse from my classmates to siblings to teachers and from relatives. And so I struggled with a lot of low self-worth. I didn't really understand where that came from. Kim had been abused uh, verbally and emotionally as a child, and later on, uh, she'd been abused, and uh, she came in to see me with uh, depression and anxiety, and uh, just had asked me to see if there's a way that I could help her. And uh, I felt like that through God's Word, that there would be some help for her. I carried that with me for a very, very long time, until um, recently. Uh, just was not able to let go of the anger and just did not understand why that, that, was, that happened to me. I struggled to have relationships. Um, I struggled to um, just feel comfortable in my own skin. That was the biggest thing. I was not comfortable with my, myself. A person that's been abused at a young age normally carries that with them. Uh, there's emotional problems that they have later on if it's not taken care of when they're younger. And uh, it may manifest itself in depression or emotional issues, anxiety as they get older. And this is one of the things that I saw with Kim as she came in. I realized that uh, there were biblical truths that could help Kim. And that was some of the things that we had to address. I just um, basically went online and um, did the check-in living hope cares, and so I, I did that. And then they called me and they gave me a, um, a counselor, Sharon Stokes. Uh, my impression of her was that she was a very godly person, and she um, she made me want to read the Bible. I struggle with dyslexia, and so it's very hard for me. And she, she made me want to read and apply it to my life. One of the, the things that I started with Kim is I'd ask her to read her Bible. And I said, I normally start with Ephesians. And Kim told me to begin with that she couldn't read because of a problem with dyslexia. I thought, well, what am I going to do? Because we read the Word, the truth, God's truth. So I had to narrow it down, and I used a prayer in Ephesians 3, 
14th and 21. So I said, Kim, I want you to go home and I want you to pray this prayer every night. Using these verses, I want you to put your name in these verses. So the next week when she came in, she was just elated that she had used those verses and she had prayed that prayer every night that week. When she left the second week, she was going out to buy a Bible that would be appropriate for her to read. Through this, um, really, I gained, I knew it in my head, but I had to get it into my heart. And that was, um, it was life-changing when Sharon actually showed me how to read the Bible and personalize the Bible with my name in it. And that was just truly amazing. The crime has turned to laughter and smiles. Instead of the shame and the guilt, she's gone to forgiving people that have hurt her. Through all this process, I have forgiven all the wrongs that have been done to me. And um, as Christ said, it was finished on the cross. It is finished with me. And my life is completely at peace. Amen. This is the Jesus who entered into our world, who was raised, and who gives us life. This is the longing of all of our hearts. This is the aroma that the Lord has provided that is drawing us. There is nothing in this world that can give us the happiness that we want. Everybody in this room, we all want to be happy. We need something that is eternal, that is that is filling, that is overwhelming, and at the same time restful. We need something that will move us and enforce us and delight us all at the same time. Only Jesus can do that. He is the Holy One. He is the eternal good. He is God Almighty. And He's come for us. And, and we all have a desire, all of us in this room. We have this powerful, longing desire in us that nothing in this world can satisfy. And again, remember what C.S. Lewis said? If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. For this light, this is our scripture, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Christ has come. And we don't see Him now, but we will. And right now, we must look to what is unseen. And what is unseen will heal our soul and make us happy forever. So friends, I don't know what you're relying on today to make you happy. But if it is not Jesus, you have no assurance. You have no peace. You have no eternal life. But if you will trust Him, receive His love, allow Him to forgive you, allow Him to live in you as you seek to to pursue Him with all that you have, you will be spiritually renewed, and this affliction will be seen as light and momentary. And you will be able to look beyond to the eternal weight of glory that is Christ Himself. And I pray that you'll do that. Let's pray together now. Father, we need a blessed assurance 
And that only, that only blessed assurance that we can count on is Jesus. When, when, when He is ours, when we can say Jesus is mine, we have a blessed eternal assurance. And we can get through these momentary light afflictions. And we can look beyond to what is unseen, this weight of glory that is coming. Father, I pray that, that right now that there might be some who might want to just come and pray and, and say, Lord, I, I want to be happy. And I know that only you can do it. Forgive me. Take away my guilt and shame and give me a new life. Some today, Lord God, they, they need your strength. They need new hope. They need new life, maybe in their marriage, maybe in a friendship. Lord God, we need you. This is a broken world. We need you. You are our only hope. So be honored as we sing this as a statement of faith. But hear those who pray to you now and, and encourage their hearts with the hope that you give. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.